Welcome to Please Bet on Football Games. Welcome to week two's edition of Please Bet on Football Games. We are coming to you not quite live from the Please Bet on Football Games studio in Venice, California, also known as my bathroom. I'm Joe, the keeper of the real, at BMADFTS, and this is my co-host Alex, at I underscore like underscore sports six. Yeah, happy to be back, Joe, and a quick turnaround from yesterday's episode. Although I'm not in the bathroom with you, uh, I feel I feel close to you through the Zoom call. feel like I'm in the room with you. I don't think there's room for that. All right. Yesterday's podcast was a lot of recapping what we saw. We got cute with the segments. Today is more about that money. Definitely. So we can go ahead and just jump into the first game of the week. Thursday night, we have the New York Giants going to play the Washington football team. Washington is minus three and a half. There's definitely an angle on this game, but I'm going to have to develop it with you live right here. My instinct is to look skins because the Giants are so inept. Saquon Barkley, first of all, is exactly what I thought he would be coming out of college, which is a larger version of Darren Sproles. You can't run him. You can't run him between the tackles. He has no vision. And the Giants offensive line isn't exactly stalwarts either. Additionally, Daniel Jones still sucks. So the fact that his wide receivers are low-key really good means nothing. On the other side, we've got Washington's strong defensive line, which I know they didn't look good against the Chargers this past week. But that Chargers line sneakily got really, really good and, and experienced. And the Chargers were just throwing the ball right away. It was all quick releases. Daniel Jones is not consistent enough to hit those quick releases. He is going to fumble at least twice. Whether they get recovered by Washington or not is a different story. But that line is going to create turnovers because he already wants to just like slip the ball all over the field. And with that D-line, yeah, he's going to be in for a rough day. Yeah, in a regular game, Daniel Jones is scratching his neck and biting his lip, trying not to fumble the ball on purpose. In this game, you're totally right. In fact, if there's a prop, if you can find a prop on Daniel Jones fumbling, it's probably a great value. Although I've never seen that prop. The number is probably like one and a half or two and a half though too. (laughs) They're going to line you on it. (laughs) On the other side of the ball, the Giants defense didn't look good. And again, I will grant you, Denver's weaponry is fucking unreal. But Washington has some speed. And I don't see Taylor Heineke as a substantial downgrade from Ryan Fitzpatrick. Are they going to score 30? No. But they can score 21, and I don't know if the Giants can. Yeah, this one, I don't like the number because three and a half is a bad number for that game because I don't think it's going to be very high scoring unless the defenses start scoring, which is entirely possible between Daniel Jones and then Heineke or whatever ends up happening in Washington. So you could, and you have two good defenses. So you could have some defensive scores to get the score up. But other than that, I think it's going to be pretty low scoring. And three and a half is a really tough number if it's going to be low like that. I do think Washington is the value. I think if you got, you know, a two and a half on that number, then I love it. Even three, I think, is playable. So I think it, if I were to use them, I would have to tease them down and then maybe, you know, go use the Browns money line as a as something to boost it or one of the other things we come up with today to kind of tease it down. Now, I don't love that bet 
honestly, on its face, just because I still don't know if Heineke's going to do anything. And the Giants defense might be able to key in on a couple players that Washington does have because they couldn't key on any one or two guys against Denver because they have so many weapons. They can kind of key on McLaurin and uh, the guy that switched to tight end. They used to be the quarterback from Virginia Tech. Logan Thomas. Yeah, Logan Thomas, who's done well, but he's still a brand new tight end relatively. They don't have anything great out of the backfield. So the Giants might be able to just key on those players. and Their defense might look a lot better, but I still don't trust the offense. I'm not going to bet on the Giants. Washington is where I would go, but it would be a smaller bet of mine if I made it, even if I did tease it down and tie it in with something. I think you're totally right. The handicap on this game comes down to the fact that we're getting the wrong line. I have a buddy who just this past week, he he laid three and a half with the Patriots and against Miami. And even though the Patriots were a little unlucky to lose that game with that red zone fumble late in the game, I told him, you deserve to lose this game simply by the fact that you laid three and a hook in a game that you knew nobody was going to score in. And both of these teams are going to hope and pray that nobody scores because neither of these teams is scoring many times. Yeah, it's definitely, it reminds me of that game. That's a good good connection you make between the Miami game last week and this game this week of it's going to be two good defenses with bad offenses playing. So you, yeah, you don't want to, that three and a half number is unplayable unless you're taking the plus side then it's a really good number. If you were to take the Giants, you think they're gonna, they're a decent team, then it's great because it's low scoring at the hook, but I don't think the Giants are anything. The other point that I'm going to make is that we might not be stuck with this line. Now, even though this is a Thursday game, which means we're relatively late in the week for the Thursday game, the VIG has already jumped down. So we're minus three and a half even odds for Washington. There's a chance this gets down to a three juice. If it's three and juiced, I may hit. So be on the lookout on my Twitter. Additionally, this is one of those classic games that we sit and pray. The Giants received the opening kickoff, go down, score a field goal or some such shit. And then we get Washington minus two and a half at minus 115 on the live line. That would be my bet. And I think that's very possible because while Jason Garrett is kind of a pussy and not a great offensive coordinator, when you let him sit in his office and script out plays, I believe in him to do something. I think that that's the best he's ever going to do. If we could get to minus two and a half off an opening score and it doesn't look you know horrible one way or another, then yeah, that would be one that we, I would I would be looking for as well. But probably on the back end of my bets and would be one where if I have a little bit of money left over from the bets I like more than I'll throw in. I think it's time for us to jump on into the next game. Let's go ahead and jump on in. We have on moving on to the Sunday games. We have the Buffalo Bills going to play the Miami Dolphins. Miami is plus three and a half. Speaking of shitty fucking games, any game the Dolphins is in becomes a shitty fucking game. I don't want to touch this very much because it's a perfect case of what did we actually learn in week one? If it turns out that Buffalo is still Buffalo of last year and last week was just a foible, then we got to bet the Bills. But if it turns out that Buffalo is more like what we saw week one in 2019, this is unplayable. On the other side, if Miami's defense is as awesome as it looked at times last year, Miami's got some upside. 
But if Miami's defense looks as, I don't want to say bad, they weren't bad. They just allowed a large cushion. They, they, they let the Patriots get those short plays, get the ball in their receivers' hands, and they weren't particularly great at stopping the run either. If they're going to play so soft, the Bills are going to do some damage. I, I just don't want to touch this game. Yeah, I'm in the same boat as you. I think the Bills are more likely in between what we saw last year and what we saw in 2019. I would say closer to what we saw last year, simply because they just have a lot of weapons. Josh Allen is puts a lot of stress on you. And what he can run, he can throw to anywhere on the field, assuming he's accurate. White cam. <laughs> Really, though, um, I, we, we've talked about that for years, and it's incredibly apt. And I think it's more likely that we get a kind of Bills wake-up revenge game where, you know, they got they kind of got embarrassed last week. They were definitely supposed to win that game. I mean, they were, what, six-point favorites, six-and-a-half-point favorites, and ended up losing, and the offense looked horrible. The, the defense didn't, didn't really do anything special. So I could very well see them come out and, you know, be this the this revenge game of, all right, we're awake. But it's a tough matchup for them. I mean, Miami is a good defense, and they could they could really mess with Josh Allen where maybe his confidence is a little down right now, and then they're coming after him, throwing confusing looks. And with those corners, it's easy to make mistakes that cost you. So I like the Bills in theory, but I could see it going for Miami Minus three and a half is a hard number to go into Miami this early in the year. See, that's the thing. I don't even know if I like Buffalo to win, especially when you factor in this is Miami in early September and it's the Buffalo Bills going to Miami in early September. So that heat and humidity is going to be a problem, especially for the Bills. Yeah, that's that's a, definitely something. Yeah, you're right. We just shouldn't bet on it. Let's jump to the next game. All right, easy. It's not every time. It's close. Next game we have is the Cincinnati Bengals going to play the Chicago Bears. The Bears are minus three. All right. Fuck yeah. Finally, one that we can actually get some action on. I I don't know if you'll agree, but I have a strong take here. I love and bet the Bears minus three. First of all, I wanted to get this out down early because it's minus three at even odds, and I don't want to bet minus three and a half. This could be a fairly close game, and I think that that key number is especially key here. Okay, I got a few points. I'm going to list them off rapid fire. One, Andy Dalton revenge game. You say, who gives a fuck? I say Matt Nagy and Andy Dalton do, because there are no more persecuted play caller and quarterback in the NFL right now than Andy Dalton and Matt Nagy. If you are a Chicagoan like me or just happen to have turned on ESPN in the last month, you know that every talking head that has no fucking idea what they're talking about wants to see Justin Fields throwing picks and failing to read defenses. And they think that Matt Nagy's an idiot for moving the ball effectively and efficiently against one of the best defenses in the league in week one with a new quarterback on the road in a raucous stadium in front of me, no less. I think that Cincinnati was lucky to beat the Vikings last week. And I think the Vikings fucking suck. Rashad Breeland looked terrible as we discussed yesterday. I don't think he belongs in the NFL anymore. He couldn't run with anybody. He got burnt by T. Higgins twice. I saw it with my eyes. Patrick Peterson on the other side didn't look bad, but I think that he's a step down from Jalen Johnson, who is a legitimately good corner for the Bears. I think that Jalen Johnson can lock somebody up. I don't know who they choose to use him on, but whoever they do use him on will be locked up. Additionally, the Bears have Khalil Mack. Khalil Mack is not what Khalil Mack once was. 
But Khalil Mack will get pressure on four of the five linemen Cincinnati will trot out. And again, the defense for Chicago is pissed off because they have been panned by the Chicago media all week. They have something to prove. They're pissed off. Meanwhile, the Bengals are kind of happy. This is another game for the Bengals. They won last week. It was cool. It was in overtime. Fuck it. Whatever. The Bears are pissed off. This is special for them. Finally, aside from all the emotional bullshit, I can actually talk some football here. The Bears are one mind-numbingly stupid interception by Andy Dalton in the red zone away from contending very closely with the LA Rams last week. Bengals are a bad team. The Bengals struggled with the Vikings. The Vikings are worse than the Bears. They have a similar quarterback. They've got a worse offensive line. They've got really good receivers. But I like the Bears receivers better against these Bengals because they have that speed element. Tell me why I'm crazy before I go on. All right. So I I may actually agree with you. I like the Bears in theory because I think Cincinnati's getting a little pumped after that game. So I don't entirely disagree with you on all your points. However, we'll go through. So your first point on a Dalton revenge game that has never been said before in the history of man. That is a brand new sentence, at least one that is meant earnestly. Hear me out. When Andy Dalton looks at the schedule and sees he's playing Cincinnati, does he care more or less? I don't think he cares. It's Andy no. Dalton. Okay, this is fair. He's, Andy Dalton he's might the not ultimate have... professional. He brings 80% to every game. Like, which is it's it's a hundred percent, but just like he is a human can only muster 80%. So the extra intensity doesn't fucking matter because it's still just Andy Dalton. That's yeah, actually that... a pretty goddamn good argument. Yeah, like I understand what you're saying. And if he was like an exciting player, one that had been like recently scorned, but he's been out of there for a year. He like they're doing their own thing. It's not like the Bengals are like some great team now either. He has to feel bad, like, oh, they they moved on. Like you can be like, Yeah, they suck. Um, so I don't know. I don't really buy that one. Um That's fair. Also that okay. The second point, Cincinnati's not good. I agree with you on that one, um, which is why I probably will end up betting on the Bears. I don't think Cincinnati's special. I agree. Khalil, Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks will absolutely destroy uh, the offensive line and just have the Cincinnati under pressure and running around the whole game. I agree with you, too. I don't think the Vikings are really good. The I was, Even Patrick Peterson, who is one of their better corners, he still didn't even look great. He, he looks nope. slow. He was terrible last year in Arizona, and the only reason he didn't look bad a few days ago is because Brashad Breeland looked so bad. Yeah, like, I don't even think, so they're not going to be good either, so I agree with you that that's where we find value in this game. However, I, I the the third point of the Bears were a, a pick away, a bad pick away from being really close in the game, is that what you were saying? Yeah, I they were losing by six points with eight minutes left in the fourth quarter, despite that terrible interception in the red zone, despite yeah, going for it and failing. But on that, down that interception changes how the whole game gets played. The, the quote I wrote down when you initially said that was if my aunt had balls, she'd be my uncle. Yeah, that's very true. I mean, cause like, yeah, if he didn't, he didn't throw that pick, then it's a one score game, but like he did throw that pick and it like early too. And it changed how the game played. It was play six. Yeah, like immediately. So I don't know about all that. I think you, it might be, a, I, that's why I'm not as high and haven't bet on them yet, but I do agree with you on point two and it's the main reason. Just trying to go through, because I haven't bet on it yet, but like it and want to make sure. 
Cincinnati O line is going to really struggle. The Bears are going to be able to wreak havoc and make them throw quick, run quick, and should be able to limit. Makes in a good amount. You have one good corner. Who are the other corners for the Bears at this point? I know they kept they had didn't they have Janoris Jenkins for like a quick minute and then got rid of him. No, you're thinking of the other old, washed-up, once-amazing man corner. We had Desmond Trufant, who's now on the Saints. Ah, uh, so who else is back there? Who's shutting down uh, T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd? So they have a little bit of a logjam of this could work. We have Artie Burns, who is one of those guys you always just convince yourself that he can be good. I think he's fine. I think he's a good third corner. Not He can't really play the slot, but like third outside kind of guy. I see what you're saying. And then we also have a guy named Kindle Vildor, who was a fifth round pick a few years ago, but the Bears are really high on. He graded out pretty well per PFF in week one. And frankly, the Bears corners weren't the problem in week one. The problem was that their safeties let deep receive. Cooper Cup beat two split safeties 70 yards downfield. And Matt Stafford threw a ball that I honestly don't think either of the Bears safeties imagined could be completed. I think that they were cheating up because they didn't expect that any quarterback had the arm to hit Cooper Cup on that touchdown. And then they realized he was by them and the ball was actually going to get there in stride. Um, There's also the play to Van Jefferson really, really early where Eddie Jackson just didn't pay attention to the play. And then when he did pay attention to the play, he didn't touch the receiver down. So another thing, and this is, I kind of alluded to this, man, that Bears defense was panned. Like they are pissed off right now. And they've actually had some quotes in the media talking about how they're not happy with how they played against the Rams. I can only imagine that they'll be redoubled in their intensity this week of preparation and on game day. And I have to believe that means something from a defense that has shown us it can be great. Yeah, that was going to be my question is, do you think they they answer well this week? They have, you know, a lesser offense. They're at home. They're, you know, supposedly pissed off, which should bode well for them. But those mental mistakes by pretty key in key moments that really broke the game open for the Rams. Those are ones I worry about, especially with when I mean, none of the none of the guys on the Bengals are burners, but they all you have three guys that can catch the ball and create things. So I worry about the the discipline. But okay, so for the most part, you can cover them you're going to be able to make, and you're not going to have to cover that long with the line. You're going to have probably still a little antsy burrow. So I like the bears on the defense. They should be able to hold them, create some, create some turnovers even on offense. I mean, that's where you worry about the tackles because the line didn't look good. Again, it's when Aaron Donald's in there, it's you're it's tough to look good, but the strength of the Bengals D line or their edge rushers. And that's where the bears are weak or their tackle spots. So you could see some some penetration that you don't like there. Um, I don't think it'll be on the same level that the Bears bring, but I could see Dalton needing to run around. Now, Maggie's offense is well-built to get the ball out quickly. And with all the speed, I think that should line up well. Plus, I don't think any of those corners for the Bengals can run with that speed. Maybe Chidobe, but yeah, I like the Bears. I'm going to bet. I just, Andy Dalton aside, you know Matt Nagy's pissed because – he just went up against a buzzsaw, held his own for most of the game, and still got ripped to shreds for it. He's going to be on top of his game, you, if ever. If there's ever a time when Matt Nagy can be a competent head coach, and we've seen him be far better than competent before, this is going to have to be the time. 
against a bad defense, a bad team coming off of embarrassment at home. Additionally, like if he's ever going to pull out the trick play, it's going to be this week. It's not going to yeah, be. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to really count on that or factor that into my decision. I think though, just you're right. The the Bears have a. I think the the Bears offense is probably a little bit worse, but but it's not much of a difference. But it's then the Bears similar. defense is much. Yeah, the Bears defense is much better, and you're in Chicago, home opener. Bears are angry. And Bengals are probably riding a little high, young team, bad coach. Think about it like this. We watched, it wasn't our main screen, but we watched that Minnesota versus Cincinnati game. Cincinnati couldn't fucking move the ball, much less score, for like half the game. And the only way that they did score is Jamar Chase winning drastically on a streak route, which is something he couldn't do in college. So that's not going to happen very often. Probably never against the Bears, because say what you will about their corners, they're fast. Say what you will about Eddie Jackson's mental mistakes. He's fast and he can get deep. I don't think that Jamar Chase is going to be torching corners right off the fucking line like he did for his touchdown. Two, another deep shot where the cornerback on the Vikings just completely misplayed the ball in the end zone. That's not going to happen. You can't count on that against any team, much less a decent one. And three, turnovers by the Vikings. Keep in mind, the Vikings didn't move the ball at all either until the fourth quarter. And then in prevent defense, the Bengals gave everything right up. Cousins was fucking terrible, and they scored 24. Andy Dalton can be Andy Dalton and score 24. Yeah, no, I mean, you're you're right. I you, I was convinced to bet on them five minutes ago. I think uh, we're in on the Bears. This is my last point for those of you listening at home that are thinking, this is fucking stupid. This is how we lose our money. This line was Chicago minus five four days ago. Now it's minus three. That's a key number. They've essentially moved this line three points off of what? The LA Rams at home with turnover luck being really fucking good. What did we expect? If you told me the Bears are going to throw a pick and they're going to fumble and they're going to fail on two fourth down conversions, I would have said, yeah, the Rams are going to fucking skull fuck them. And they did because that's what happens when you do those things against a great fucking team. So why is this line moving? If we assume that there's any logic behind the original line whatsoever, we have to be looking bears here. That's a good point. I like it. Not uh, not getting wrapped up in uh, knee-jerk reactions from week one. So we're ready to go on, on the, the next bears? game? We, we agree oh, yeah. on one unit? Yep, okay. I'm in. Write that down for those of you Zeke Yoders out there. One I, unit it on doesn't bears. even matter. You're just yelling into the void now. That's what I do. Young man yells at cloud. In this case, microphone in his bathroom. All right, so the next game we have the Denver Broncos going to play the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jags are plus six. We're not going to jump in. It's not every time, man. I'm telling you, it's you could count them on one hand per episode. Okay, well, I'm going to jump Denver minus six is tough, and I still kind of want to play it. Yeah, same. I, I'm not, you know, immediately putting money down, but... Jacksonville is horrible. They because the Texans are not good. Last week was not a some revelation that Texans are going to be a competitive team. I think it was just a condemnation of how bad the Jags are going to be. And Denver looked good. There, the the defense was as advertised. Teddy was taking shots. He was accurate. Shermer was calling deep plays. He was utilizing the weapons. And even with Judy out, they still have crazy weapons and are going to be able to score on that horrible defense. 
And the only thing you have to worry about is a backdoor cover, in my opinion, which is a valid concern, but six is better. It's not a full touchdown. I'll say this. Last week, Trevor Lawrence threw two picks and three turnover-worthy plays against Lovey Smith's vanilla-ass cover two defense with the Texans personnel, which means zero cornerbacks and one safety. Uh, Now he's playing Vic Fangio and his fucking confusing-ass shell coverage defenses with, well, Roby may be hurt. Sorry, not Roby. Darby may be hurt. So let's, let's assume he doesn't play. At least two very good corners. This is... Trevor Lawrence struggled in first grade last week, and now he's skipped a fourth. Yeah, he's he's going to have everything thrown at him. They're going to be disguising coverages. They're going to be they're going to make his life miserable. Urban's not in it. They're horribly coached. I think we have to really get value on the Jags now before all of these lines are like fifteen. Do you want to cry? I think it's time for a cry. Yeah, let's get some tears flowing. Saturday morning, this line was Denver minus 2.5. Yeah, that's that's tough. I mean, honestly, I yeah, that would have been a bettable even before seeing the first set of games. I would have been a little for scared. My dead line value. Yeah, wow. But <laughs> even even at six, man, this is this is a good number. Should we uh, play it? Yeah, I'm not gonna immediately throw down just because I want to go through the other games and so I don't have the the same thing I did last week where Thought I was only betting on a couple games, made big, big units, and then found games I liked later in the week and then couldn't bet very much on them. So I'm trying to get them all all laid out first. It looks but like they got to start. It looks like this line is going to stay pretty stable at six, too. So we've got time. We can come back to this. Sounds good. Ready for the next game? I am if you are. It's so sweet to me, Joe. Next game, we have the Houston Texans going to play the mighty Cleveland Browns. The Browns are minus 12 and a half. The uh, the plucky underdog winless Browns against the first place Houston Texans, you mean? Yeah, I'm sorry. Thank you for correcting me. Those underdog Cleveland Browns that are almost two touchdown favorites. Can't touch it. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, the Browns, the Browns are going to win, it, but the Browns also are totally fine with letting teams stick around and just running the clock out on them, even though it's a one or two score game. I could see them doing that next week or, you know, this weekend. I'm not touching it. Two quick points. One, Cleveland money line and even teased down to like minus two is a good anchor if you want to parlay something that you want to adjust the odds that you want to buy a half point, but you don't want to pay. Parlay it with some Browns money line. Get yourself that value back. Additionally, you may be thinking, I just saw Houston skull fuck Jacksonville. And while Jacksonville's bad, they can't be that bad, right? Houston way outperformed my expectations. Well, Vegas disagrees because this line hasn't fucking changed. The Browns, Actually, I think it was minus 11 and a half earlier this week. I had 12 and a half this time last week. Oh, maybe it changed right after the games and has since dropped because when I looked on Sunday night, it was 11 and a half. Which would make a little bit of sense if you assume that Houston got better, but evidently the market disagrees. So the market doesn't think Houston's any good still. I don't think Houston's any good still. They beat up on a team that is both devoid of talent, inexperienced, and terribly coached. Just terribly fucking coached. Color me whelmed. Yeah, this is an anchor game, and that's about it. All right, for our next game, we have the Las Vegas Raiders going to play the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers are minus five and a half. There's some juice in this one. I don't know where it is. But there's some juice in this one because we've got a Steelers team we thought sucked that beat a team everybody thought was good. 
And then we've got a Raiders team that everybody thought sucked and they did suck. And then they pulled a rabbit out of their asshole within a span of like two minutes. And now people are asking on ESPN if Derek Carr is elite. I'm not joking. I mean, in fairness, that poll was like 85% no. I I don't, I'm not going to touch this game. I think the the weak points for the Raiders are their offensive line and just their offensive continuity. And TJ Watt is going to make Alex Leatherwood not want to play football anymore. And I don't really trust Derek Carr to consistently get the ball out and not make crushing mistakes. If you take out the the two-minute drill and overtime, Derek Carr's performance last night was, yeah, last night, was so bad that he should legitimately be looking for jobs at insurance firms. Yeah, and you know, the Ravens have a good defense. Their defense is very different from Pittsburgh in that they're really good on the back end. But the Steelers are going to just bring so much pressure. And even though their corners aren't great, and there's no one that can cover Darren Waller. I don't know if it'll matter with how much they're going to terrorize Carr. I mean, we saw what they just did to the Bills. And the Raiders actually have a very similar offense in that they don't really – have a great running game their offensive line is decent and they just chuck the ball a bunch so i think that's a bad matchup for them but the steelers are still not a good team their offense is probably going to put up some points just because the raiders don't have a great defense either but minus five and a half is a huge number for a bad team so it's not like i'm betting on the steelers but i think this is a bad matchup for the raiders yeah if you would have asked me three days ago i would have been looking I would have been looking hard at the Raiders, but I am dissuaded somewhat because the Raiders offensive line didn't look very good yesterday. Partic- everybody noticed Alex Leatherwood generally looking like the fourth round pick he should have been. But what I noticed is that their center, uh, fuck, he's a kid out of UCLA, Andre James, Andre James, James Andre, one of these two. His names are James and Andre. I know that. I remember that. Anyhow, the kid was fucking lost out there, man. And they just lost their left guard, which means they don't really have the luxury of shuffling around their interior offensive line to save his ass from confusion. So he's going to be going up against Tyson Alualu, who isn't what he once was, which was good. He is now solid. He's gone from like an, a B-plus player to like a B-B-minus player. But he's crafty and he's decent, and that means he's going to abuse this center. Additionally, there's always Cameron Hayward to worry about. That's a problem. And you can't really double team inside because you got PJ fucking Watt, like you said, and Alex Highsmith, who I think will become good, and Melvin Ingram, who probably has something left in the tank and was once good. He looked good last weekend. Melvin Ingram has some pass rush juice left, man. Especially when you're using him rotationally, he can stay fresh. The Steelers are going to fucking eat Derek Carr's lunch, and he is the most emotionally fragile quarterback that exists because you can tell when the pressure gets to him, like the physical pressure, he panics. His best plays from yesterday in overtime were literally just him panicking about a full second too early and throwing off of his back foot as far as he could and just being lucky that the entire Ravens secondary was hurt or cramping and therefore wide receivers were getting open. You think Zay Jones roasts the living fuck out of Marlon goddamn Humphrey if Humphrey isn't in and out of the game with cramps all day? I don't think so. He also ran into the safety on that route, which is another reason he was behind. Say what you will about Joe Hayden. He's not running into safeties. Say what you will about Minka Fitzpatrick. He's not getting in the way of cornerbacks. Yeah, and this is a prime game for Minka to get two picks and have some highlight plays that justify people continuing 
to vote him into Pro Bowls and stuff. Yes. Because this just screams panicking Derek Carr, chucking it, and Minka just being in the right spot because he's always in the right spot. Yep. Yeah. As much as I would want to bet the Raiders, I just think it's a bad matchup. That's all. It's purely a bad yeah. matchup. It's not a good matchup. Like, I think the Raiders are a better team than the Steelers. Just not when they're playing each other directly. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, I could, I, I would expect the Raiders to end up with a better record, but the Steelers win the head-to-head matchup. It hurts not betting on that game because I see advantages, but they contradict each other. I, I know what you mean. All right, we can jump into our next game. Let's jump in. The Los Angeles Rams are going to play the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts are plus four. In another episode of fuck, I wish I had all the capital in the world and bet these games before the lines moved. A week ago, LA was minus 1.5. Oh, man. Right? That would have been the quickest bet ever. That ticket's already cashed. Like, you you bet it, and they're like, all right, do you want the money now, or do you want it in escrow? <laughs> exactly. As it stands, Rams minus four. I still like it, but it's this is exactly what I said last week if you give me certain numbers i can know i'm right and i still hate it because i know that the rams are about the third or second best team in the nfl and i know that the colts are just not there they're just not there they're a solid team and solid teams don't beat elite fucking teams but it's four yeah the number is so tough you're right i mean if you look at this just purely from a ranking standpoint say you have the rams conservatively at five Based off of last week and some of what we've seen, I think about five, it's a decent spot for him. Then you have Indy, who based off of last week, you probably have about 15. And so if you just go into it with the fifth best team versus the basically middle of the pack team, and they say it's, a, you know, four points. Yeah, you you like the top five team. I mean, that's not too bad for a, a pretty significant disparity. I don't like four. I'm not going to bet it at four, but they're they're probably going to end up again, assuming I don't waste it on or spend the money on other things. They, this is a prime team to tease down to three and tie with something else because they're a much better team. Yeah, I think Indy will kind of go through the same thing. Maybe the Bears and the Bills did, which is they'll wake up a little bit because they got embarrassed last week. But man, they showed they were pretty vulnerable to that deep ball. Their, their DBs are going to be probably a weakness for him. And Matt Stafford and that offense just showed that they will kill you with the deep ball. That's the thing. The exact thing. Okay. The guy that they brought up from LA to run Seattle's offense is a Sean McVay guy. What's his fucking name? doesn't matter. He was their passing game coordinator last year. What is their game plan? What is Seattle's game plan agnostic of this new offensive coordinator? Run the ball, run the ball again, go deep. What does Sean McVay do better than any other coach in the NFL? Run the ball as necessary and create openings deep. What does Matt Stafford do better than 90% of people who have ever played quarterback in the NFL? Throw the ball deep. Deshaun Jackson, 2-2 Atwell, blinding speed. This is a good matchup. This is a great team. But then I play the home field advantage math. And this line says that if the game were in LA, not only would I be there, but it would be Rams minus eight ish probably closer to seven just because of some key numbers which says that the colts and the bears are about the same thing that doesn't feel quite right see i think that feels pretty accurate to me you think think so actually see i i think that the bears are a little worse than the colts but it's not huge Um, 
like the, the Colts are better, but I think they're in that kind of same realm of just middle of the pack teams. I also think that if there's any, so I've had a gripe with advanced stats and general Analytica that loves the Colts offensive line for the last few years because They've been okay, but they're mostly just a product of the fact that they've been getting the ball out so fucking quick. Yeah, your your pass blocking win rate is really high because you never pass block for more than 1.8 seconds. That's not impressive. But if there's any way that you're going to get a pressure against that kind of offense, if it's a really, really good interior rusher coming straight up the gut, especially when you're down your star guard, and Aaron Donald is kind of that. Yeah, so, no. If anybody's going to get pressure, it's going to be Aaron Donald and the Rams. If there's a yeah, way to beat the Colts on defense, it's to go deep. And the Rams are one of the best deep ball teams. <laughs> I want to bet the Rams. Like you said, I, I like it. I'm, I'm, I just hate minus four. I just won't bet on anything minus four. I actually heard a stat last week on, I think it was on the Dream Preview. But it was like they listened to our podcast and then directly addressed it. If you bet blindly, teams that were minus three and a half and minus four, if you bet it blindly for the last 10 years, I think you're winning 54% because they know that people are so afraid of those particular numbers, just like I am, that they stay away from them even when they think they have value. Yeah, but it's because there's reason to be scared of those numbers. Because, <laughs> yeah, you win 54%. That still means that you lost 46 Like I know that's a good win percentage, but it's there's still a lot of room to lose and Indy could come out mad and their defense is supposed to be good. Why though? I'm always told this and I never know why. I I agree with you, but we've heard this for two years and their defense has graded well for two years. I agree with you. I don't know why though. I mean, they have Darius Leonard's good, but he can't cover. Yeah, but he's good at what he does. And he, he does lock up a a section of the game and that he's going to be able to thwart your run pretty well. Uh, DeForest Buckner is obviously a, a menace. He's great. He is really great. There's no refuting that. And I'm encouraged by some of their other edge rushers. I think if Quiddy Bay learns how to like do a move and what football is, he'll be unbelievable. I don't think he's going to learn how to do that between week one and week two. I agree with you, but he, he still could be in for some flash plays where his just raw athleticism comes through. I'll, but tell yeah, what, I mean, I'll tell you what he looked really good at in week one. In week one, he was great at chasing down those outside runs because he's got the advantage of never getting any fucking push. He doesn't actually penetrate the backfield at all. So when you try to run off tackle on him, he's already in a perfect spot to just chase down and he's fast enough he can always chase down. So you can't run off tackle on him. That's good, I guess. That is good. However, yeah, their real issue is just their DBs and then they don't really have much going on there. At all. And really? yeah, that just matches up really poorly for the Rams. And they're all slow. It's Rocky Asin, who's not fast. It's Xavier Rhodes, who's hurt and wasn't fast three years ago. It's TJ Carey, who you don't want starting. We know this. He's a wonderful slot. And they're going to have to use him there. And you know what? Let's say he fucking locks Cooper Cup in a goddamn vault, which he won't because nobody does. It doesn't matter. Yeah, no, I mean, the Rams, the Rams are the right pick here. I'm throwing a unit on the Rams. Are you with me? Straight up, minus four? Fuck it. I'm probably going to bet them. Just get a little bit down. I'll, I'm going to see what how much it costs me to buy down. Make it a podcast official pick, a super contest style pick. You're pressuring me, Joe. I'm pressuring you. Tell me why not. Tell me why not. Other than I don't like four. I think you might bet this if it was minus five and a half. 
<laughs> I really do. I because I would feel better about it. Yeah, honestly, I this is where I always get with where is tempted to buy two like five and a half because then I'm gonna get you know like plus one forty on it, and I think it's basically the same thing as plus four. But you're right. I mean, the entire reason I'm scared of betting on the Rams here is that I worry the the Colts are gonna come out and after getting embarrassed and be ready to go, you know, show that it was a fluke. LA's having to travel out there, but yeah, we just spent this whole last, what, five, 10 minutes talking about how LA is a great matchup and better in every way. Here's, here's, I'll give you this. If you're the Colts and you're sitting there and you're thinking, God fucking damn it. The Seahawks killed us with ease. They, the Seahawks took their foot off the gas pedal. That could have been a 50 point game. Like that was Ohio State versus type shit. So if you're sitting there as a defensive coordinator saying, how the fuck do we prevent that from happening? What gashed us? Okay, what gashed us is the deep ball. And the Rams are also going to try to throw the deep ball. Fine. So you take away the deep ball. How do you do it? Well, you can't run with them. You have to play softer zone. So now you're giving Sean McVay fucking five to 10 yard cushions on every play with three releases and you're lightening the box. They're going to run it down your throat like fuck. They're going to get to two at well the ball in space. This is what he fucking prays for. Yeah, and just a thought that I had as you were talking about that is the Seahawks are kind of a worse version of the Rams on offense. And Shane Waldron, Shane Waldron, their offensive coordinator, literally was running the Rams last the Rams passing offense last year. And the Rams have a better quarterback. Put me on a fucking stake. I don't care. I'm dying on that hill. Better quarterback, similar wide receivers, similar offensive line better coach because they got the original yeah and i think their their weapons are deeper too but i mean the and the defense for the rams is definitely better and the seahawks just beat the brakes off of them so if you think the rams are a better version of the seahawks and i do exactly so do i so yeah the seahawks or the rams are definitely the right pick then because they should win by even more we're putting the fucking rams down for a unit super contest style yeah, let's do it. Don't let's. All not right. the, we're not going to put the onus on our listeners to figure out how to anchor and tease the way we do. If you take Rams minus four, we think that's a 55% or better bet. That's what I'm saying. Definitely. Now, the next game, we have the New England Patriots going to play in the New York Jets. The Jets are plus six. From a game I feel strongly about featuring one great team and one plucky team. To a, te- to a game I don't feel strongly about featuring one terrible team and one below average team. I don't know. What do you got? I'm not going to bet on this game. I think the Jets didn't look good last week. They got they looked better as they played, but they're still just figuring out so much. Mekhi Becton's hurt. They're not a good team. New England kind of looked like what we thought they would be. They have a good defense with an offense that'll be able to take advantage every now and then, but it's largely going to be pretty uninspiring. So I like New England to win this game. I think it'll, it won't really be that close. However, six is too big of a number for them. This is exactly what you said. It's a bad team and a not very good team. Plus the back door on six is, is open, especially with Zach Wilson chucking balls and, you know, Corey Davis and Elijah Moore and some of those guys that can go take something with three minutes left in the fourth quarter when it's a 13-point game. So I'm not touching it. 
New England's going to be better, but six is too big of a number. I don't even like this as an anchor just because I think you get better anchor value elsewhere, but also because dude, the Patriots really disappointed me. They got a terrible game out of Tua and they still couldn't capitalize. Granted, it was a lot because of a fumble, but dude, Mac Jones air adjust like so just air yards, his attempted air yards, his A dot, as it were, was under seven. Attempted, not completed. Under like, they're throwing the ball less than seven yards downfield every play. And that's when they're not running it and they run it as much as anybody. They also got fucking gashed. Like, despite all of these quick passes, they got gashed up by the Dolphins' defensive line, which is not good. And I did some digging, and I confirmed a prior. My buddies, who are big Patriots fans, were talking to me. They're saying, you know, look at how bad the Patriots' pass-blocking win rate was against the Dolphins. And this is despite this tiny A dot. You know, they're, they're throwing dinks and dunks and still feeding pressure. And my first instinct was, well, it's Brian Flores. He's stunting and he's blitzing linebackers on the inside. He's making things messy at the line of scrimmage. And Mac Jones is a rookie in his first start. It is absolutely no sin to be a rookie in your first start who has a hard time dealing with adjusting pressure, uh, adjusting protections. But that doesn't go away after one game. And now Trent Brown is hurt, banged up. Even if he plays, he won't be 100%. If Robert Sala is worth even an ounce of the salt that people think he is, He's going to find a way to bring pressure from the inside linebackers. And CJ Mosley isn't what he's built to be, but he can blitz. I just, there's too much variance in this game for me to like it as an anchor. Do the Patriots win? Probably. But I don't want it, especially at the odds you're going to have to get it at. And when you've got an interior defensive line of Sheldon Rankins and Quinnen Williams, which is really good, and you've got an inside linebacker who blitzes his ass off like CJ Mosley, and you've got a defensive coordinator who's supposed to be something, that's not a great matchup for a quarterback who panics under pressure and can't organize a protection. Because Mac Jones literally chest passed the ball backwards yesterday at the first sight of pressure. That happened. That's a thing you have to consider. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't think the Jets' defense is good. Oh, it's not. They'll, they'll, they'll probably get him into a couple bad situations, but there are going to be a lot of really easy looks for him as well. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm good on this game. I will I will look for other games to bet against the Patriots. Yeah. As low as I am on the Patriots and all the shit that I just talked, I don't know, I'm not fucking touching Jets plus six. So I think it's time to jump to the next game. So we have the New Orleans Saints going to play the Carolina Panthers. The Panthers are plus three and a half. I like New Orleans here. I liked them better when I got them at three, but nobody likes a braggart. Apparently, when I was drunk on my way home from Sunday Night Football, Alex texted me and told me the lines, and I said, ooh, Saints minus three, send him a screenshot of my bet. So I mean, And then didn't say, remember the next day. Had no idea. And I wasn't even I that te- drunk. I yeah, had like you, four beers. I know, you because you told me you were like falling asleep in the car when I we were talking about it. I was overwhelmed from a very exciting time at my first football game, yeah, which I am now but... addicted to. <laughs> We're going to the Chargers. Are, already putting, uh, getting the credit cards rolling with some some NFL charges. Bro, I'm not joking. I'm I'm buying tickets to the Chargers versus Dallas game this weekend, and I'm going to go during the late slot. And I'm going to actually be to watch Sunday night. So oh, dude, that, gonna be that'll great. that'll be a ton of fun. It's actually more expensive than the Rams game, believe it or not. Not because anybody cares about the Chargers, but because it's going to be Cowboys. all Cowboys fans. Cowboys. <laughs> Anyhow, New Orleans. I like this. Uh, today I was looking at it again and 
as Alex said, it's that dreaded minus three and a half. I still like three and a half for super contest style purposes. I'll still take three and a half, but I got a little creative and I parlayed the Broncos money line with the Saints minus two, and I got plus 122 odds. If you can do that, I would suggest it. Otherwise, if you just want to play it cold, you want to play it honest, like a fucking mark, go ahead, be a mark. I would still take Saints minus three and a half. Yeah, I, I was in the same boat as you that I have at three because I told you to bet them the next day when you said, oh, hey, did I tell you I got Saints minus three last night? And I was like, yeah, I told you to. But anyway, I like Saints minus three. I would like them at minus three and a half as well. I think the the offense looked good last weekend. And the main thing that I took away is their defense still looks incredible. Dude, the offense didn't even look that like nobody on the offense played particularly well. It was just so high functioning. And then yeah, yeah. Aaron Rodgers and, looked like shit. Yeah. And the defense was just so good. And I don't, I, I love Joe Brady. I like a lot of the weapons that they have in Carolina between McCaffrey, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, but Sam Darnold with that defense coming at him is, is going to struggle. I don't have a lot of faith in him. And although I, the Carolina defense is getting better and I think they are a sneaky good defense, I don't think they're going to have much answer for Camara. And it's going to be the offense for Carolina is going to have such a hard time that New Orleans won't have to do much again. And they're going to be able to just kind of play from in front and let Peyton dip into his bag and grab some fun plays. And it's going to look kind of similar to last week. I don't think it'll be as lopsided, but. I think it's New Orleans going to win this game, and I'm pretty confident that it'll be, you know, more more than three. I think that it might be even worse than last week, and I've got two reasons. All right, tell me, because I, I think that Carolina defense is better and won't won't give up that many points. But See, go I ahead. do too. As you know, I'm very high on Carolina's secondary. But you know why I'm high on them? Because of two fucking rookies. And as good as J.C. Horn is, he's a fucking rookie. And as good as... Uh, is it Kevin Taylor, Keith Taylor, K- as good as K Taylor out of Washington is, he's a fucking rookie. And Dante Jackson's actually not good, but he is fast. Now they have to deal with Sean Payton inventing ways to get his receivers open. That's not a very easy second assignment. It's a lot harder of an assignment than a Kyle Shanahan style. Everything is a slant or a corner offense. So <laughs> they're getting fucked there. And do you know what the Saints added this week that they didn't have last week? Bradley what? fucking Roby. So instead That's of a Paulson, good addition, instead of Paulson Adebo as your cornerback too, it's Bradley fucking Roby. Hey, I really like Paulson Adebo. I do too. But yeah, Bradley Roby's he he's an experienced player that you know is good, especially as a second corner. Granted, didn't isn't uh, Lattimore out for a few weeks? They call him doubtful. He may play. They say he's going, he's doing thumb surgery and they list him as week to week because of a chipped bone in his thumb. I don't know how much you need all of your thumb. I know you need all your thumb bones probably, but how much of them do you need? I don't know. He could play. He could not play either way. I don't actually even care because Adebo fucking showed nicely last week. Yeah, he looked good. I And Sam Darnold put up 19 points against the Jets. 19? Yeah, it still wasn't good. Yeah, no. I think that the the Panthers are going to try to run the ball a lot. That's their only fucking hope. And McCaffrey is fantastic. But you know who else is fantastic is Aaron Jones. And the Packers, with the same fucking offensive scheme, 
couldn't run the ball. Yeah, no, I I mean, I, I love New Orleans in this game. Dude, I'm same. very happy. I got him at three, but I think three and a half is still a good number. Stop they're gonna end about up, your past post. They're going to end up in uh, a few of my bets. Dude, I same. If you have the capital, the earlier you pounce, the better. That's why we fucking record this and put it out on Wednesdays, a day before damn near every other show. Yep. All right, we can go to the next game. The last one of the early slate, the San Francisco 49ers going to Philadelphia to play the Eagles. The Eagles are plus three and a half. So this line actually came down. It used to be 49ers minus five. And I would say that's a little bit more fair of a line. Now it's the dreaded minus three and a half. I would feel very chalky if I laid three and a half again. And after the way that San Francisco managed to blow some numbers, depending on how bad you are at shopping a line against Detroit of all teams is not reassuring. But I don't think anybody's ever going to be higher on the Philadelphia Eagles Eagles than they currently are after just a really upsetting game to watch in Atlanta. Especially if you bet on the Falcons. Especially if you bet on the Falcons because you love bashing your face into brick walls and seeing which one will give first. I've done that before with my fists. I didn't win. Anyhow. Neither do the Falcons. Thank God for our rule or else I would totally fucking try and do it again soon. But anyhow, the the 49ers are a much better team. Three and a half is a decent number, even if it's the number we hate. It also makes me feel like we're very chalky lately. Yeah, no, we we definitely are um, because I like San Fran. This is, I mean, I would have bet on them at minus five. Honestly, I like them at minus three and a half as well. Not because I like three and a half, but because I like any number under a touchdown. Yeah. I, you know, I think Philly looked looked much better than I thought they would last week. They but did. I think a lot of that is also just that they played the Falcons, so I don't think are very good. And San Fran, you know, they they gave up. And if you had eight, like some people did, then they blew that cover by letting Detroit get back in the game. But three and a half is a much smaller number. And I expect it to be not quite that score differential, but it to be pretty decent that a backdoor I'm not super worried about with three or, you know, the a field goal difference backdoor is what's going to get us. Okay. Last week on the first two or three possessions of the game, I texted you and I said, I think Atlanta could legitimately score at will all day because the Eagles were having the hardest time stopping the wide zone and the play action, right? And for whatever reason, that ceased to be true immediately thereafter. However, why might that be? One explanation could be that the Falcons' offensive line is just fucking putrid. You know whose offensive line is not bad at all? San Francisco, with their bookend tackles and their decent interior and their very intelligent center. So the 49ers don't have to worry about their offensive line. Additionally, you might have to worry that Arthur Smith is trying to run a a Kyle Shanahan style offense and maybe he commits a little bit too much to the run. Maybe he's just not the best at it. You know who's really good at running the Kyle Shanahan offense? Kyle Shanahan? I've heard he's done okay with it. Finally, the Falcons problem may just be that they don't have good enough running backs. That's never been a problem in San Francisco. I don't care who the fuck they put out there. They always get yards. Yeah, it's the wildest thing. I mean, even with Mostert now being out for the year, which like that poor guy, man, he is he is made of paper mache. But yeah, they're going to get production out of their running backs like they always do, I think. And I think the other issue with the Eagles, just that the the Falcons in that game got away from what was working for him a little bit. And when Arthur Smith got away from that script, he seemed a little lost where exactly like you said, Kyle Shanahan is not going to have that problem with that offense. He knows it. 
pretty darn well. And I think they're going to be able to continue to capitalize on the issues. I, also, I like San Fran. I think I they're going to they're going to win by a lot. You know what else is going to help San Fran neutralize Jalen Hurts, who looked way fucking better than I expected last week? He did. Whereas the Falcons have negative pass rush. They have not only the absence of a pass rush, but I don't. I think the defensive ends might get there and like give the quarterback a little pep talk. Like, hey, man, you're doing great. You see that open guy over there? Hit him. Nick Bosa and Eric Armstead are okay. Javon Kinlaw is okay. Contavia Street's okay. D Ford is okay if he plays. If he doesn't, I still don't really fucking care. The yeah, they're definitely going to be able to put pressure on him and just in general have a much stronger front that won't get bullied around and create those lanes for Jalen Miles. The one thing is that the 49ers probably have the worst cornerbacks in the NFL by a wide margin, honestly. They might legitimately start Josh Norman this week. That's a possibility. Josh Norman, who was slow when he was 28 and is now like 35, he could start for them. It's a thing. Yeah, I worry about that. But if there's a team you're going to play and have no corners, the Eagles are a pretty good team to play. They're top three. I mean, they Devonta Smith is probably their best wide receiver, and yeah. he's a limited rookie. He's really good at the thing he does, but he's still limited at what he can do. I, like everybody points to, I got somebody tried to dunk on me on Twitter because they found like me saying that he's not very good. And they're like, oh, look at this touchdown. It's like, yeah, if you, if you offensive pass interfere the living fuck out of the cornerback covering him, he can get two yards of separation. Only two, but he can get two. Like, what the fuck? They had to scheme everything and they had to rely on a bad secondary with terrible pass rush. At least I get one of the two here. So, can we call San Francisco a maybe and see if we like anything later? Yeah, I think that that fits. Worst case, tease down, use them as an anchor like we did last week, or just, you know, throw them a little parlay. Time to jump to but the We can games. continue on to the afternoon games or the middle slate. First off, we have the Atlanta Falcons going to play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Bucks are minus 12 and a half. <laughs> I'm not fucking touching it. I'm not. Me either. I, no, no. Honestly, huge number. Uh, Falcons are horrible, but, and the Bucks will probably be up by a lot more than that, but who knows the back doors. I, it's too big. The thing is that the fucking line is so big. It's not even a very good anchor. You might as well use a college football game because they're more predictable than Bruce Arians and Byron Leftwich. Exactly. It, yeah, it's just in general, I will look at these teams next week because I don't like this game at all. Perfect. Next game. Wonderful. We have the Minnesota Vikings going to the Arizona Cardinals. Cardinals minus four and a half. So I think God is testing me. Because Why is that, Joe? I like every chalky bad number this week. The price is wrong, Arizona, look, this line has moved three full points. It was Arizona minus one and a half, and now it's minus four and a half. But Arizona did skull fuck Tennessee, and they looked fairly impressive doing it. But more importantly, Arizona's defensive line looked really, really good against a a lopsided offensive line, but Chandler Jones still got Taylor Lewan's ass benched. So what do you think they will do to Minnesota's patchwork, shitty offensive line made of people named things that you have never heard before? Yeah, I mean, they, they should be utterly dominant. I just worry about falling into the, the trap of overreacting to week one. Yeah, I am too, but I'm, I'm going point by point here, man. Arizona's defensive line was great. Minnesota's offensive line looked bad last week against a good but lesser defensive line. Fair? Yeah. I'm just saying that in general, week one is not always indicative of what, what else is going to happen, where a lot of teams come in and it takes them a week to wake up. A lot of teams didn't play together during preseason. 
So last week was the first time a lot of their guys were on the field at the same time. And I just think of if we look at how we had these teams ranked before the season, they're pretty close. And now you're having four and a half points that you're you seem pretty willing to jump on. I I agree with you in general that Arizona is a better team that matches up pretty well because they just have a lot of speed. But this one would be lower on my ones. You make a great point. I am overreacting. And I do think that last week was probably more about the Titans blowing it than the Cardinals being great. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. Kyler looked good. And the if you're putting passes right on the money, it doesn't matter what the defense is doing all that much. And that could continue. But I think it's just as likely that the Cardinals slow down a little bit because they're that kind of team where they're really streaky. And the Titans were just asleep. Minnesota is not going to be good, but four and a half points is tough, especially when a lot of this is because of what we saw from Arizona last week alone. You've talked me off this hill successfully. I was ready to fucking cover myself in chalk, but you're right. Yeah, I mean, hey, if if you like it, especially, you know, you get to the end and you want to maybe ease and tease them down a little bit. I like the Cardinals and I fully expect them to win this game. But four and a half is a tough number, and I think a lot of it is just reacting to last week. If, God forbid, I don't go to the Chargers game, I will be live betting this, almost guaranteed, because it will be on. But you're right. I think we should jump to the next game. All right. So now we have the game that you might be at, the Dallas Cowboys going to the Los Angeles Chargers. The Chargers are minus three. Minus three is a tough one. I like the Chargers a lot. I really do. And I think that Washington and Dallas are actually pretty similar caliber teams, even if they're built almost diametrically opposed to each other. It's like somebody built the perfect team and then split it in half because I don't think Dak is very good. I think he's pretty average, but they have a great cast around him. And Kellen Moore is fucking really smart. The way that they designed that offense last week, the fucking deployment of their plays, the way that they called plays in the order they called them, just brilliant. Just made it as easy as possible on the quarterback. And Dak is average, but average is rare in the NFL. There's about 15 teams that can say they have that, or better, obviously. But again, this is a live bet candidate. I don't know if... We saw that San Diego can handle a bad offense like gangbusters. We don't know what they can do with a good offense. Yeah, and the other thing is that Dallas had, you know, that mini bye week because they played the Thursday game. Yeah. So you had even more time for Kellen Moore to sit there and scheme some stuff up. I agree with you. I like the Chargers to win. I don't know. I don't have a great feel for exactly how much in minus three. I don't love it just because that that Dallas offense is always as crazy explosive. Don't know how the Chargers are going to handle an offense like that. This game should be really high scoring. I would expect it to be a really fun back and forth game, but I don't feel game. confident about it to bet on it minus three. Yeah, I feel like if I talk about this too much longer, I'll just convince myself that I like Chargers minus three, even though I know I don't. Yeah, this is one of those ones that, you know, we end up betting on like Saturday night because we talk about it so long and then it loses. And we're like, yeah, we should have just trusted our initial instinct to stay away from the game. Yep. Kind of like what we did with Minnesota last week, where we just kept talking about it. We're like, you know, we should do this. That game, we were right on that handicap. I just didn't expect Kirk Cousins to be that bad for that long. Yeah, but I mean, to be completely honest, we even needed that, like, pretty nice comeback just to get us to overtime. So, yeah, I think this is just stick with our initial instincts. 
this will be a fun game to watch. Probably not a fun one to bet. Yeah, no, this is a coin toss that I happen to have a rooting interest on one of the sides. I hope the Chargers win. I think they're the better team. I want to be proven right, but it's 50-50. There's no advantage. Next Mm -hmm. game. Yeah, the final one of the middle slate, the Tennessee Titans going to play the Seattle Seahawks. Seahawks are minus five and a half. Really great if we could give a take on this game, but we have a rule that we don't dabble in Tennessee Titans chicanery. Yeah, I uh, I actually didn't even know who the Titans were playing initially because it, you know, their name is first uh, listing the, the matchups. And as soon as I see their name, I just go to the next game. I don't even look. You know, it's funny. I could totally see the Titans winning this game. I could see them winning this game in decent fashion. I don't care. We're not touching it. We're just not. Yep. This is this is one not betting on the Titans is a rule. Two, these are two teams that I feel like are some of the streakier ones that it just depends on if they like feel like showing up and which version of their coach they get. Yep. So I could see this game going many different ways. And yeah, outside of the rule, I wouldn't I don't want to bet on it anyway. We can move into the Sunday night game. I've been waiting all night for it. I know. I'm excited about this one. The Kansas City Chiefs going to play the Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens are plus four. Side note, at the fucking beginning of the game last Sunday, they had Carrie Underwood on the big circle TV doing her little song and dance. Very nice. It's the Joe stamp of approval. I like Carrie Underwood. Um, I also like Kansas City. As we might seamless fucking on. I'm a pro. Okay. I've recorded like five podcasts. Uh, this is another one of the bets that I made that I forgot that Alex told me to make. And then I just, I was like, Oh dude, I got Kansas city minus two and a half. And he's like, yeah, dude, I know again, but I did get Kansas city minus two and a half. That number is gone. Is it at three and a half yet? Or is it still at three? It's at four. Fuck. <laughs> well, Let's see if that number is going to move any further or if it's done. Um, It's at four even. So it probably it, just dropped to four. It's going to come back down to three and a half. I'd bet my bottom dollar just looking at where the money is aligned. That's it. I don't fucking have to because I have a minus two and a half. I think this one could get ugly. Baltimore can never hang with Kansas City because that would require them to do something called scoring points quickly and efficiently. These are things that Baltimore can't do. It also would require Baltimore to beat a good team, which even when their bullshit gimmickry was working, it wasn't working well enough to beat good teams. I think that Twitter's reaction to Lamar Jackson's game is really funny because all anybody has talked about for the last six months is how John Gruden and Mike Mayock need to be fired because their defense is so fucking awful. And then they brought in Gus Bradley to fix it and he's fucking stupid. But then Lamar Jackson did fucking nothing against him. He had the, oh, he had the nice touchdown. It was a good throw where after the most egregious holding of the night, of which there were many, Lamar rolled right and hit an open wide receiver who wasn't being covered in the end zone. Congrats. It's going to be a little bit harder against Kansas City, who has better safeties, assuming Tyron Matthew plays, and he has to. He will. Better corners and a better pass rush. Additionally, scratch that. I legitimately think that Lamar Jackson was not only figured out a long time ago, but I think that he proved it against the Raiders because their terrible defense took him to the shed. And when his defense, when his defense couldn't prop him up, Lamar couldn't transcend, score 30 points and win the game against a bad defense, partially because he fumbled three fucking times. That's a lot of fumbling. And it wasn't very fluky. He dropped a snap. He carried the ball out wide and tried to earn an extra yard. 
He had terrible awareness in the pocket. It's not like he's throwing and smacks his hand on a helmet. These are legit fumbles. He's fumbling. Yeah, and I think this is a symptom of the injuries that they've experienced in that he doesn't really have anyone else or the guys that he's comfortable with in that offense are all hurt. People have been moved out. It's a lot of new faces. Except and, at wide receiver, but he doesn't use those. <laughs> right. But even those guys are hurt of, you know, Rashad Bateman's the first round pick they're supposed to bring in to help him out. And he's hurt. And so I think Lamar in his head just goes into hero ball mode. And that's when he fumbles the ball. That's when he's trying to go for his extra yards or make that extra move or not go down and create something. And those mistakes, as we saw with the Browns, when you play the Chiefs, are what sink you. And even if you play an otherwise really good game, which the Browns did, a couple turnovers can kill you. And the Chiefs are going to create more of that than the Raiders will. Plus, the Ravens won't have wildly inept Derek Carr to keep them in the lead and keep them in charge of the game. Instead, they're going to be, you know, just trying to keep from getting behind the Chiefs and playing wild catch up. And yeah, I I think the Chiefs are well positioned to beat up on the Ravens. They're one of the teams that has always been able to play Lamar well in terms of, you know, using contain and trying to just force him to throw from in the pocket. They're going to have uh, Matthew back, who's going to help out a ton with organizing everyone. I think the Chiefs are going to roll through the Ravens. And even at minus four, I think that's a good number. I think that the matchup gets even better because remember how I said that a cramping Marlon Humphrey is not enough to defend an entire receiving core? Marlon Humphrey might not be cramping, but he can't cover Tyreek Hill. And Anthony Everett cannot cover Tyreek Hill. And a Jimmy Smith, who's ancient and coming off of injury, cannot cover Tyreek Hill, which means none of them can cover Nicole Hardman either. And none of them can cover, well, Marlon Humphrey can cover Travis Kelsey. He can, but that means that Tyreek Hill's open. They're going to be able to air this ball out against a significantly injured and significantly slow secondary. And there's no pass rush. There's none. The reason that the Browns were able to hang with and dominate the Chiefs for so much of that game is because Patrick Mahomes was panicking under pressure and he was under pressure and he was constantly under pressure because Miles Garrett is really fucking good. Jadevian Clowney is really fucking good. Malik McDowell somehow is really fucking good when he's not doing armed robberies. But he he tweeted on Sunday, by the way, that um, he, he, he played in the NFL and that fulfilled his mama's dream with a smiley face. And therefore, he's a good boy. And I don't think he's going to hurt anybody else ever. Malik McDowell for mayor. You tweet about your mom with a fucking old fashioned smiley face. I'm on your side. The key to Joe's heart. Alaskan Malamute puppies, Newfoundlands, old-fashioned smiley face tweets about your mom. But Derek Wolf, Tyus Bowser, and Malik Harrison are not going to sack Patrick Mahomes. Justin Houston probably isn't, maybe, but no. Julius really Campbell might be good for one. I don't know, man. I mean, he was good against the Ra- Raiders, but it was mostly in run stuffs. He wasn't really. Yeah, pushing. I think that's that's much all he is anymore. Is he? He's still a demon in the run game, but I don't think he has too much pass rush left. Yeah, I and then Jason Owe is literally the exact same thing as Quiddy Pay right now, which is he's fast and he can't penetrate, which means he's good against the run. You can be good against the run all you fucking want against Kansas City. I'm low on Mahomes. I'm low on Kansas City. And that means that they're still really fucking good. Yeah, this one, this one, I'm pumped about the number we got it at, but it's going to be 
I I feel good about it no matter where you are. For super contest purposes, would you take KC minus four? Because I would. I would. Yeah. That puts just us I don't think they're I just don't think they're that close to teams. I agree. I don't think the like Ravens my, are good anymore. Yeah, like minus four, I don't like as a number when I think it's like gonna be a relatively close game or it's prime for some backdoor craziness. But I don't even think this really is. Like there could be some, you know, Lamar bust plays. But I think it's going to be pretty, pretty wide margin at that point anyway, that I wouldn't even worry about it that much. I, I like them even at minus. The Ravens also just lack that quick strike ability. Let's say it gets late in the game. Let's say that the Ravens and Chiefs game plays out exactly like the Browns and uh, Chiefs game happened. The Chiefs are down by three points late. They have four minutes on the clock. They're going to score. They're going to at least a field goal which means that now the Ravens have to drive down the field and score with under two minutes left. I don't think they can do that. That's not what they've, they've not, I don't think they've ever done it. It's, I feel like it, I'm sure they have, but it was probably off of a Lamar run more so than anything else. They sort of did it against the Browns last year in that wild Monday night game, but that was also more just Andrew Sendejo picking his own defensive back partner busting his my my anxiety in life is so much lower knowing that he's not on the Browns anymore and I don't have to go into every week praying he doesn't give away a game but my stress level is higher because now I actually have to figure out who's fucking up on defense for the Browns whereas it used to be really easy it's a good point yeah you could just see a breakdown in any past situation go ah now you have to figure it out and actually dissect stuff yeah all right, you want to go on to the Monday night game to close out week two? We might as well jump. Let's jump right in. The Detroit Lions going to Lambeau to play the Green Bay Packers. The Packers are minus 10 and a half. Hey, how is this now, a Monday night game? That I So in preparation for recording today, I went and I was looking at the games and trying to get an idea for what I was going to talk about, what games I like. And I, I had to look two or three times to double check that that was actually the Monday night game because how, I mean, nobody thought the lions were going to be good this year. What's the sexy angle and the Packers, even that was like, they should be good, but we'll see with Rogers and everything. So you have like a team that should be good and a team that you expect to be horrible and you put them as week two Monday night. I don't know if they, they just had some, some primetime thing where they wanted to get this game in and figured week two, the enthusiasm is still high enough that they'll get viewership. Actually, I don't think that that can be it because the Lions are guaranteed a primetime game on Thanksgiving, which means I don't think they have to be on primetime the rest of the year. So I think they chose this. Yeah, I don't I don't get that whatsoever. Um, I mean, I'm not betting on this game. Fuck no, I might not watch it. <laughs> Seriously, I like... I'll probably turn it on in the background just because like I I will soak in any professional football that I can. Correct. Yes, same. I'll but, probably yeah, no, I'm, chart it. If I'm being honest with myself, I'll end up charting this game. You will simply because there's nothing else to do. I live in LA. There's a lot to do. I just Well, I mean for I for problem. you relative relative to the person that lives and breathes football like you do and you're kind of going through your withdrawal from Sunday. You're, you're going to be looking for those last hits that you can, which will be charting Jared Goff while they lose by 30 points in Green Bay. Yeah, no, you're you're entirely correct. Yeah, I feel like that's a uh, it's a not a very exciting end to the bets for the week. But yeah, I'm 
if if other people want to bet on this game, they are stronger than I am because this is going to be ugly. It's a big number, and it's just not going to be fun. Okay, so I have a little secret mission that I we accomplished on accident last week, but now I want to keep it going. I want to pick five games against the spread super contest style every week, and we currently have four. We have Chicago minus three. We have LA minus four, the Rams, not the Chargers, who are from San Diego. We have the Saints minus three and a half. We have the Chiefs minus four. We have two maybes in San Francisco minus three and a half and Denver minus six. Pick one. Which one are we going with for the Super Contest? I would probably say Denver. I agree. I, I just don't see Jacksonville scoring any points. Yeah, and and I think they're gonna they're gonna give away a lot of points with turnovers too. Okay. So the official podcast bets, the five podcast bets. Unless we add some later because lines move or injuries happen like last week. Chicago minus three, Rams minus four, Saints minus three and a half, Chiefs minus four, Denver minus six. Full of chalk, like that bowl that they keep by the fucking monkey bars in gymnastics places. Terrible numbers, but the right numbers. Like we're going to win these bets. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to sweat the entire game because these numbers are bad. And I'm always going to be scared that some fluky backdoor stuff is going to happen. But I, I like them. I think they're they're the right bets. Even with the weird numbers, they're, they present value, and I feel pretty good. Yeah, the only underdog I can even think about taking this week is the Raiders at Pittsburgh. But like we said, the matchup is just fucky. And Derek Carr is, he was so bad for 58 minutes. And that's so much more predictive than some fucking last second bullshit. Yeah, I like where yeah. I'm at. Yeah, no, that that game, I could 100% see some of that that fire from the Steelers week one die out and they, they get closer to what they're going to be this year. But I think it's a bad matchup for the Raiders. And I don't have faith in Derek Carr. So yeah, I, you know, it's all it's all favorites this week with weird numbers, but I like them. I think as one last thing before we sign off, just uh, to eliminate any possible confusion amongst the Amish, I would like to read off the bets that I've already made. I've got a unit on the Saints minus two parlayed with the Broncos money line. I put together a nice little parlay of Denver minus two, Cleveland minus two, and the Rams money line, which is a unit at plus 160 odds. I've got a money line parlay of the Browns, the 49ers, the Saints, and the Buccaneers at two to one odds. Bears minus three, a unit even odds. Chiefs minus two and a half, a unit minus 115. And Saints minus three. One unit, minus 120 odds. And yes, this will all be posted on Twitter. But fuck Ezekiel Yoder for questioning my integrity. It's okay, Joe. We can let it go. We, we've, we've gone through our five stages of grief. We can move on. I think this was my fifth. I think I've resolved it. <laughs> you're, you're hitting acceptance as the, as the episode comes to a close. All right. I think we did it. I think we gave out winners and I think that we just put together the squarest betting podcast of the week. I agree. It's uh, it's going to be another fun week of football and hopefully we come back with uh, a lot of green in the book and not so much red. All right. Until next time, please continue betting on football games. Awesome.